to take a seat. Uh, I want you to think for a moment just the, the immediate people around you. So in other words, your neighbors, uh, family that you see often, if you're a parent, uh, your children's friends and their parents, your colleagues, and maybe the person uh, at the shop that you see the most often, is it the till or so? What language, or how, let's ask, with how many of you are they 60% and more of those immediate people around you are Afrikaans? Okay, that's about most. Uh, so how many of you, 60% or more, are, they are English? Very few. Okay. So I ask you this because I want us to, to see something, and, it's ob and, and most of you, it's like, it's obvious. Um, but we've lately um, just felt, and I, particularly in my heart, I, I, I sat to this thing as I realized that we have been a church that we want to be open for all cultures and languages, and English is probably the most uh, spoken, so that's why we minister primarily in English, and, uh, and so we want to be, we be welcoming to everyone, but the reality is for you as the, the missionary in this valley, for you as the, the, the saint that's being equipped, the, mo the people that's around you primarily is Afrikaans. Meeste mense, jou uitreik arm, gaan in Afrikaans wees. Die mense met wie jy meeste in contact gaan wees. En so is met dit in, uh, in gedachte, dat ons gevoel het, ons wil meer oopwees in Afrikaans, in ons dienste, in, uh, in ons algemene bediening. So, I've spoken to Stella. Stella is graciously, she's from Uganda. She doesn't know that much Afrikaans, but I chatted to her and she said, if it's for the kingdom's sake, I'll be willing to learn Afrikaans. I said, thank you so much, Stella, and she said, there's a plaisir. <laughs> <laughs> but Stella's, so here's the thing, and here's, here's the, the, this thing that I want us to take this morning. Our hearts are kingdom, and we want to see what's the best way that we can get to the kingdom. What's the best manier to ons uitbrein ons midde, en dan moet ons gaan waar, waar is ons geplaas, wat sê mense rondom ons, en jy probeer in die taal dan te communikeer. Ons harte was, ons wil vir amal plek maak, maar ons, ons kap ons onmiddellike uitreik arm af. So wat ons vandag vir amal wil sê, is ons, ons wil oopwees vir die taal waarin jy gemakkelijk is. Primair Afrikaans of Engels. Dit beteken, dat ek en dit het al klaar vir ochend baie gebeur, en het gebeur al so rikkie, begin het al hoe meer gebeur, maar dit beteken, ek kan in Afrikaans die ochend lei, André kan kom preek in Engels, aan die ene kan bid in Engels, of een woord gee in Engels, of jy kan in Afrika, maar jy kan bid in jou hartstaal, jy kan bedien in jou hartstaal, en dat ons by tye, een preekreeks gaan hee in Afrikaans, of in Engels, so dit gaan nou vir ochend af, Vreemd, want ek praat nou Afrikaans, en dan gaan andere uit nie teen in Engels spreek of so. Of, hy gaan het so mix and match. Maar die idee is, 
nie dat ons Afrikaanse of Engelse gemeente is, he. dat ons gemeente vir die perl is, en as iemand jou vraag, maar wat, wat is het al betekent, wel, het hang af die preek, Jochen, het hang af die, ons, ons, ons verteenwoordig die perl, daar is Afrikaans en Engels, ek dink het gaan meer primair Afrikaans wees, vir een seizoen, ons weet nie wat die heren, die heren mag ook groot klomp Engelse mense na ons te stuur, dan gaan ons of in Engels bedien, of ons gaan Engelse gemeente begin, of ons gaan, ons hart is oop verdaai, maar ek denk die feit dat ons op die stadium, feit dat ons primair in Engels bedien, hou jylle terug, om uit te reik in, in Engels, ach in Afrikaans, en om seker van jylle bieren, vrienden en so te nooi, want die Engelse hekkie, as hy eers hier sit, gaan hy dat van die Engelsman een bykie kan ontvang, maar die Engelse hek in die kop is net te hoog, voordat hulle hier kom. En die naam van Jesus moet oor die persoon gesprek word, moet in die persoonse leven inkom, en daarom moet ons aanpas by dit. So, is ons game vir dit, en dat, ons gaan nou nie, ons is nie een nationalistische kerk, jy weet wat nou, as iemand in Engels wil, oh, ons is eindelijk, nee, dis nie, ons is koninkryk, wat ook al nodig is die ochend, ons gaan bediening ontvang in enige, en as nou vir oogend net in Engels is, dan kan jy vir jou vriend sê, weet jy wat, daar aan die ouwens is eindelijk Afrikaans, maar vir, vir die mense wou ons specifiek Engels wees vir oogend, en dan andersom weer. Alright. So, dit is, dit is een groot skuif aan die ene kant, maar ons wil nie te groot baie daar opmaak, en ons gaan nou net van nou af, gaan ons meer Afrikaans bedien. Baie van die communities is al in Afrikaans, um, maar kom ons help, en ek wil vir julle vraag, dat, for Stella, she's, she's taking a huge step, because she's found family, but now she's going to hear every third, fourth word. So let's try and help her. Let's try and help those that come around. As daar nog mense sit in Engels, laat weet ons. As jy verochend, al my collega's sit in Engels, is by die werk, hulle is verochend hier, hulle het gekom. Dan switch ek om. Preek ons in Engels. For the sake of the kingdom. Dis, dis, dis ons hart. En daar is die nieuwe kultuur, daar is die nieuwe familie waarin ons ingebore word sy koninkryk, en ons doen wat nodig is vir dit. Amen? So, André, baie dankie. Um, mag hier jou sien, ja, André mag ook nou Duits los trek. Ek liewe dieg, dis al wat hy. <laughs> sy vrou is, Duits, is Duits, so. Maar André is baie lekker om jullie by ons te hees, so bedien, soos jou hart geluid voel. Bless jou, my vriend. Goeiemorgen. Ik heb nou gehoor, ek moet Afrikaans praat. Nee. Yes, hier kom ons en we think we're going to come and serve you guys and, and you guys served us today. So, it's just such a, a blessing to be with you today and, and I'm humbled by your, your openness and your hearts. And, and so, can I just, can we just come before the Lord for a minute before we start? Yeah. Lord Jesus, we just want to put our eyes on you right now, Father. We put our focus on you, Father. Lord, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. You're our king, you're our savior, and you're our God. But you're also our father. Lord, and we just worship you today. We worship you, Jesus, and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And my prayer today is, Lord, that you would open our hearts, Father, to your word, that it would be like water washing over our hearts, Father, there with the seeds fall, Father, may it, may it find fruitful ground, Lord. 
We honor you and we worship you. And everyone that agreed said, Amen. Amen. All right, guys, uh, again, such a privilege for me to be with you today and to have my family here with me as we, we minister to you today. Um, and yeah, happy birthday. Hey, come on. You guys have reached the terrible twos. <laughs> and I think it's going to be terrible for Satan. It'll be terrible for the forces of darkness when I look at this crowd that's sitting in front of me. Yeah. So, yeah, happy birthday. It's, it's really great to be here with you guys. My youngest son is a member here. Yeah, so we get to be with you guys. All right, so when Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, the word says that a great conviction came over the people. And the things that he was saying brought conviction to their hearts. And they, the word says they were cut to their heart. And then they asked him a question. They said, Peter, with this cutting, with this realization of how much we need this Jesus that we had crucified, what should we do? And the first thing that he says is, he says, repent. Repent and be baptized and all of you will receive the Holy Spirit. But that word repent, I think, is, is something that we all know about. But I want to spend a little bit of time about that. And specifically, what is this fruit of repentance that the Bible speaks about? Because the Bible speaks about the fruit of repentance. And I want to spend time on that today. Now, repentance, without repentance, we don't find God. That is the very first thing that we need to do in order to come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We cannot come to the Father unless we're willing to lay down all of these sinful things that we've been doing in our life up until that moment. We have to repent first. Once we've repented, then and only then can we enter and come into a relationship with the Father. So, the Jews... Remember, he's speaking to Jews here when he was preaching. And the Jews thought that by birthright, number one, they're holy, and number two, they're entitled to the privileges of being the chosen people. And they were right. It wasn't that they were wrong in that. Their assumption was correct. The problem was they were actually unthankful and they were rebellious. And they were unrighteous because they didn't repent. There's a time when Paul is, is, is traveling and, and on his travels he gets to, to the city of Athens in Greece. Now, the Greeks had a place, I think it was called the, help me out here, what was that place called? With this? The, the Acropolis, eh? Was it the Acropolis where they, they all used to gather together? And philosophy was at the order of the day. So they would spend time and they would philosophize and talk about things. And they'd basically say, well, come with a better idea. You tell us what your idea is and we want to hear your idea. And this was for them something that stirred their souls. It stirred their, their thinking. And the more people come with better ideas, the more it would stir their thinking. And I think for a lot of people today, it hasn't really changed. It's still the same. We want to hear the next best thing. We want to hear the, who's got the next best story. And I think, friends, that 
So when Paul comes there, there's the one thing. They say to him, well, who are you? And he says, that's who I am. And he'd obviously taken a walk around. And he'd looked at all of these different statues that were on this mountain to the different pagan gods. And he came to a statue that said, the statue to the unknown God. And he says, that's who I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the unknown God. And I want to tell you who he is. And his name is Jesus. So let's read that. It's Acts chapter 17, verse 30 to 31. He makes the following statement. He says to them, Therefore, having overlooked, but now, sorry, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. And why does he say that? Why does he say God commands everyone everywhere to repent? He goes on, he says, Because he has set a day when he's coming to judge the world. In righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So he excites their interest. He says to them, guys, I've got a story that you guys haven't heard yet. And there's a time that God has kind of overlooked the things that were happening on the earth. But that time has now passed. Because there is a man that has come, sent by God, and God proved it by raising him from the dead, and he is going to judge every single one of us for our unrighteousness at a point not far from now. So, now repentance as it should, is, I think it's, it's mentioned often in the church, and it's a good thing, it should be mentioned often in the church. And I just want to say this quickly. I think for a lot of people, when they hear the word repent, they think it's almost like a club. It's like a stick, you know. Repent, repent. It's not a stick. And it's not a club. It's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. Repentance is something. If you think about the, the nation of Israel, when they were far removed from God, and they repented, what happened? Immediately as they repented, it drew God back to them. It ushers in the presence of God. So repentance is a beautiful thing. And we shouldn't be afraid to repent. We shouldn't think that, that repentance is something that I only have to do when I'm really, really bad. No. Repentance is, I almost want to say repentance is a, is a lifestyle that we need to live. Because let's face it, if you're like me and you're really sinful, you're going to have to repent often. I have to repent all the time. Because I've got a sinful nature. And this sinful nature rides me like a donkey, man. It really does. So I cannot be in a place where I'm slow to repent before the Lord. I have to be quick to repent before the Lord. Because the one thing that I don't want to happen is to lose the presence of God in my life. I don't want to lose this connection that I have with Jesus because I'm allowing sin to become a barrier between me and Him. And that's exactly what happens when we're slow to repent. Our sin becomes a barrier between us and God. And we, we lose that close connection, that, that amazing feeling of His presence, right? That starts happening. We start losing that. Now, repentance, as we know, by definition is, all right, so I'm going to leave the path that I'm walking on, the path of sin, and I'm going to go back to the path that leads to the Father, 
that beautiful scripture where it says that the path that leads to the Lord is narrow and few find it. I'm going to go back onto that path. So I'm turning my back on the sin, 180 degrees, and I'm following a different path. That's what the definition of repentance is. But what about the fruit of repentance? What does the Bible mean when it says there needs to be fruit of repentance? I'll tell you guys a story. So last year in, in Crowded House in, in Namibia, we've got a church full of orphans, literally. They're all people that come from other churches. And the vast majority of them left church because they got hurt. Vast majority of them. So we've got all of these people that come out of broken church. They really got hurt in church. Now we stuck with them. So you guys have got no idea how much this morning meant to us. <laughs> Where we, I mean, you know, the, just the word that the Lord was giving you guys was so spot on. And it really sometimes feels like, the thing is, with an orphan, unfortunately, so say for argument's sake, you go and fetch your orphan at the orphanage and it's a teenager. That teenager doesn't come to you with a blank slate. It's not now this little baby that you can raise up and immediately this, this child is going to respond to, to what you're giving and the instruction that you're giving. It's going to take a whole lot of work to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff that might be in this child's life until you can begin to raise this child with different values and different... Ne? And so that's often how we feel in Crowded House. We've got all of these people that come with so much baggage from how they've been hurt in church. And I mean, just quickly, if you haven't been hurt in church, please raise your hand. Can you see I'm not raising my hand either? We've all been hurt in church. But you know what, guys? When we've been hurt in church, what's the best thing to do? Repent. Repent. All right, so last year, I'm preaching about the body, and I'm saying, guys, we form part of a body. And this body is a dynamic thing. It's got different parts, and each and every one of us has got a role to play and a part in this body. And so as the Lord leads you, stand up in that, which, that gift that God has placed inside of you for his kingdom and for his church. Stand up in that. So a couple comes to me, older people, and they say, uh, we heard what you said. And we want to we do that. We want to stand up in what we feel the Lord has put on us. So we're going to be community leaders. I'm like, oh my goodness. There's so much that you guys still need to do before you can become community leaders. I make the mistake of not saying that to them. I'm not saying to them, listen guys, love you guys. Love your heart. Love your serving heart. But there is things that we need to get in place and put in place that you don't yet see properly, which is going to actually harm you. We're actually going to expose you if we put you into a position as community leaders. That's what I should have said to them. I didn't. I didn't. They were still struggling with racism. They're still struggling with pride. They're struggling with a whole bunch of stuff. So one of the elders with us is a guy by the name of Judah. He's a lousy guy. He's a big young man like this. He's 32 years old, but when he gives me a bear hug, it feels like I'm feels like a grizzly bear giving you a hug. And this guy, I, I, I learn how to be relational from this guy. He is the most relational guy that I've ever met. 
And he loves everybody. doesn't care what your skin color is. I say to them, listen, I want you guys to join Judah's community because I think he's going to teach you something about relationship that you don't yet have. They completely ignore me. Completely. They never go and join any one of the community evenings. Five, six months go by. In the meantime, we're starting to raise up community leaders because we have to. We've got no choice. The communities are starting to push 40 people in a community. So, long story short, the way we do it and the way that we as 412, as a, as a, a partnership of churches, do it. So you go to a community leader that is already functioning in that position and you would say to him, can you identify somebody for me in your community that you think can lead the next community? And because they've got a relationship with these people, they're seeing them all the time. So we do that. And lo and behold, this couple is not one of the couples that gets fingered to lead a community. Again, I make the mistake of not having the conversation with them. We raise up the community leaders, we bring them forward, we pray them in, and they're not there. But they're sitting in the community. So you can imagine how hurtful that must have been for them. And that's on me. I messed up there. And I had to apologize for that afterwards and say, guys, I'm so sorry. But the problem is, now, they took such offense at this. And I can't blame them. Because I messed up. I didn't handle it well. They've taken such offense that they're standing back from attending church. Not only that, in realizing that I've messed this thing up and I need to fix this thing, we've been reaching out to them and saying, Janine and I said, listen, come and have dinner with us. Come and spend time with us. Let's, let's. They're not doing it. They, they're just not at a place where they, they can find it in their hearts to forgive me of what I've done wrong. Now look at this, and I'm afraid for them. Friends, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse, I think it's 13 and 14 or 14 and 15, forgive so that your Father may forgive you. Because if you don't forgive, my Father in heaven will not forgive you. So they're in a position now, and again, I put them there, where they're struggling to forgive. What is going to be the outcome if we find ourselves friends in a place where people have hurt us, but we're just not willing to forgive them? We're just not willing to actually say, you know what, Lord, Whatever somebody has done against me is so much less than what I've done against you, Jesus. Therefore, you've been so gracious to me, I will forgive easily, quickly. Because nothing that anybody is ever going to do against you or against me is nearly as bad as what we've done against the Lord. Amen. So we've got to be quick to forgive, friends. And we need to be quick to repent of our unforgiveness. Otherwise, it is going to hold us captive. What happens if the Lord puts his finger on sin in your life and you don't deal with it? Your heart becomes hard. Bible says your conscience will become seared. And it gets harder and harder and harder to come to a place of repentance. So, 
In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14, it says, Happy is the one who is always reverent, but one who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Friends, it's wonderful to belong to a body like this, a community of people, knowing they've got your back. When you need help, they're going to be there for you. These people are going to serve you. They're going to walk you through the difficulties that you're facing. The benefits of being part of a community like this is incredible, but we have to understand. It cannot be on our terms. It has to be on the Lord's terms. I'm not in this community just so that you can serve me. I'm in this community so that I can serve you. Whatever the gift is that the Lord has placed in me is for your benefit primarily. It's not for mine. And we all need to see that. You're a part of this community and the gift that God has placed in you is primarily for the benefit of the people sitting around you. And those that Ruan is talking about that is out there in the marketplace that you come into contact with. That is primarily what your gift is there for. It's to serve them and each other. In the process, I thought I was coming to serve you. Dear Lord, how He served us and you guys served us today by the gift He's placed inside of you. That is what the body, that is the picture of the body, the church of Jesus Christ right there. You know, when I look at Saul and David, the difference between the two, they both messed up badly. Same way that I messed up badly with these people, they both messed up badly. In both cases, God sent someone to them and said, put his finger on the sin in their life. The difference between the two is when Samuel came to Saul and he put his finger on the sin in his life, Saul started justifying himself. Well, I've got this excuse and that excuse and the following excuse. And ultimately he lost the kingship. He lost the position before the Lord that he had. He was a king before the Lord. Eventually Samuel says, because you did this a second time, you've actually lost this. God would have established something in your life that would have gone on. But you've lost it because you were not willing to repent. David, on the other hand, was exactly the opposite. Nathan comes to him and says to him, David, you that man. Oh, and he drops his head in shame and he says, you're right. I am that man. May God forgive me. And he immediately repents. What happens? Immediately, the presence of God is ushered back into his life. That connection that he has with the Father is again established immediately. The sin is wiped away. And that is the goodness of God to us, friends. That is the work that Jesus did on the cross. Because of that work, the minute that we come before the Lord in repentance before him and say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. He immediately comes and it draws him into, back into our life again. That connection we have with them immediately is just reestablished right there. But I have to repent. Can't hold on to the sin. I can't allow it to harden my heart. I've got to tell you guys a story. So in, in 2019, we had our first, we planted in 20, at the end of 2017, we planted Crowded House in our lounge. I mean, the four of us were the first Sunday that was the meeting, the four of us sitting in the lounge. We, at a shower, got dressed, and we're like, okay, 
Let's have church. That's how it started. So in 2019, it's the first regional equipped. By now, I think we were probably about 40 people, 50 people, something like that. And so there's three, at that point in time, there were three 412 churches in Namibia. One in Kietmans, one in Aranos, and we were in Vintuk. Now these places are far apart. Kietmans is 500 kilometers. Aranos is 350 kilometers from Vintuk. So we get together in Vintuk, and Andrew comes up, and he brings a team of guys, and um, we just have this most amazing equip. We really do. Um, I saw something there which totally blew my mind and sold me out to 412 into a partnership of churches. After that, I arranged the hunt. I took these guys hunting for four days. and We had a really good time. Luckily, they shot, killed most of what they shot at. And so the farmer wasn't too upset with me, but after all of this, we're sitting at home, and it's just before I'm taking Andrew and them to the, the uh, airport, and he says, uh, Andre, can I, can I speak into your life? I'm like, yeah, no problem, man. I mean, I'm just taking you hunting. We just keep showing you. You know, you're going to just tell me what a great job I did. Man, you're going to tell me you're such a good guy. And I'm so impressed with everything that you're doing here in Vintage, right? I'm like, yeah, go for it. You know, I'm ready to receive. Bring it on. He says to me, dude, you're a lone ranger. Your leadership style is wrong. You're building wrong. And if you carry on like this, there'll be no growth. I'm like, what? I mean, the guy's just ripped the carpet out from under He's ripped everything out from under me. I'm like, how can you say that? So immediately, you know, when somebody speaks into your life like that, and it's not what you think you were going to hear, you were hoping for this pat on the back, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's the last thing you get. There's one or two things that you can do. Either turn around and say, well, you know what? Lord, and this is literally what I, I'm like, Lord, please just show Andrew how wrong he is. Can you just please help this guy to see he's got this whole thing wrong? And in the process, help me, you know, just kind of help him to see it's actually not that bad. And the Lord said, he's right. You are wrong. Again, got a choice. I can either say, well, you know, stubbornly, I don't think you're right. I know what I'm doing. This is Namibia, bro. What do you know? You come from Cape Town, man. Cape Town is green and soft. Nothing here is green and soft. Everything is hard and thorny. I can either have that heart, or I can turn around and say, Lord, dear Jesus, Father, I repent. Help me to see what he's seeing. Help me, Lord, to, to build well, because I want you to be established. In the hearts of people. I want your kingdom to be established in Vintuk. Not my kingdom. I don't have a kingdom. He has a kingdom. And I want your love to be established in the lives of people, Lord. Help me to do that. Show me, Lord, how do I do that well? Repentance. It ushers in the presence of God. It draws Jesus back into that close intimate relationship that we're looking for, in which I can sit in His presence, and it's almost like you're immersed in Jesus. You just experience so much. It's like the Holy Spirit comes, and He just 
It's like water flowing over you, and the presence of God is just so tangible. It doesn't come without repentance, friends. In Acts chapter 3.19, Therefore repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out. That seasons of refreshing, seasons of refreshing, may come from the presence of the Lord. And I told Ruan, I feel this word of fruit of repentance. He gave me the scripture. I was like, ah, thank you, Lord. That is such a good scripture. That is what repentance brings, friends. Seasons of refreshing from the Father. All right, now, I'm a practical guy. So whenever I hear the word of the Lord and I read the word of the Lord, I'm looking for a practical application. Lord, how do I do this? You've got to help me to see how I do this. I'm a simple guy in that, friend, in that sense. Now, I think when we think of fruit, I think we sometimes think of it too superficially. In the sense of, so repent equals don't do it again. Or repent equals fruit. I think there's more to it than that. So when I was looking at this in the week, and I, I said, Lord, I feel that, we're looking at this too superficially. How do we do this properly? How do we find this fruit of repentance? How do we get it to go deeper? So the first scripture that the Lord showed me is in John 15, 1 and 2. It says, I am the true vine, Jesus speaking. It says, my father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he says, and he prunes. Every branch that produces fruit so that will produce more fruit. Now, we all know that scripture, okay? So the question is, how do we produce that fruit? Where does that fruit of repentance come from? It's very clear when I look at this, that Jesus, when we come into a relationship with him, has got an expectation of me to bear fruit. In fact, he warns me and he says to me, Unless you bear fruit that is consistent and points to the fact that you are in a relationship with me, unless you are bearing that fruit, you might get chopped off. So there has to be a place of fruit bearing. There has to be a place where other people looking at us have to see that we are following him. We're following Jesus. Our behavior has to reflect Jesus. Our love, John 13, 35 comes to mind, where Jesus says, let them know that you are my disciples by the love that you have, one for another. That people can look at the way you love each other and know there's something different here. There's something here that I haven't seen before. And his name is Jesus. That is how we reflect Jesus according to him, the best. By having love for one another. When you've got a face like mine, it's hard. My sons used to say to me sometimes, I'd come home from work and I'd be really focused. And they're like, Dan, are you all right? I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Well, can you tell your face? You guys know Len? Len's got the same problem. 
A letter's a good friend of mine. You won't mind me sharing that. So, now the question is, so how did Jesus bear this fruit? In John chapter 15, verse 4, he makes the following statement. He says, remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself. There's the key. Just as a branch is unable to bear fruit in and of itself, unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you, excuse me, unless you remain in me or abide in me. So the question, how do I bear fruit? Well, I've got to remain in Jesus. I've got to abide in Him. But again, Andre, what does it mean when you say abide in Jesus? How do I abide in Jesus? Well, I think probably for me the, the most amazing thing about following Jesus is He gave us this beautiful example of how to do it. So whenever I'm unsure, or whenever I come to a place where I don't know how to do this properly, I just go and look at his example. How did you do it, Lord? Because by looking at your example of how to do it, Father, I start getting a glimmer of how I can begin to do it. How I can begin to become more like you in the way that you do it. So again, I look at this thing. Now, one of the things that I've always been struggling with, friends, throughout my life, three things that I saw and I see in Jesus in Scripture. One is humility. The other one is gentleness. And the other one is kindness or meekness. So I look at these, these characteristics that Jesus have, and He says, be like me. I'm like, oh my Lord, how am I going to do this? This sinful nature of mine is so strong that I struggle to be humble all the time. I struggle to be kind all the time. I struggle to be meek. It's just something that in my flesh I can't find. It's not present. So the question is, Lord, how? And Jesus says, I'll do it. I'll do it through my Holy Spirit. You give me half a chance. You give me half a chance. I will bring it about in you. And that's the supernatural work that the Holy Spirit does in and through us. But I have to be open to it. I have to be in a place where I say, Lord, Isaac, come do it. Just come and do it in me, Lord. By your Spirit, come and do it in me, Father. I can't do it. In that process, I don't disconnect. I don't switch off and expect the Lord to do it like he's busy cleaning out the house, but I'm outside playing in the garden. No. I'm in the house with him, and I'm looking how he's cleaning, and I'm paying attention. And whenever he sees the dirt in my life and says, there's something, I ah, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Let me repent of this, Father. Let me deal with this thing, Lord. And as I repent of these things, the Bible says He gives us righteousness. Whenever I repent of something and the Lord comes and sanctifies me of it through His Holy Spirit, the Word says, in its place, He gives me righteousness. 
And that's exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for the righteousness of God to come. In 1 John 2 verse 6, the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. That's what the word says. Walk just as Jesus walked. Now how did Jesus do it when he was just a man? Because he was like me, just a man. When he was walking on the earth, he didn't have supernatural power in himself. The supernatural things he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Working through him. He was just a man. Like you and like me. But he had the Holy Spirit. Is it different for us today? It's not. We have the same spirit. So is the question, do we have to do it exactly the same way as what Jesus did? No. In John 14, 10 and 11, don't you believe, Jesus says, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Jesus makes it very clear there. He says, I'm a man. What I'm doing on this earth and what I'm saying and what I'm carrying is because I hear it from the Father. I'm saying and doing what He gives me and tells me to do. That's what I'm doing. I'm not doing these things in and of myself. I'm doing what the Father says. That's the example that He sets for me. And I look at that and I think to myself, you know, I think often we think that we have this ability in ourselves to serve God. I made a note here. It does not necessarily mean to do the same things as Jesus did, but to act from the same heart's condition that he did. That needs to be our heart's condition, to reflect the same kind of relationship to the Father. That we will have the same relationship with him, with Jesus, that, Christ, that Paul says lives in me, that he had with the Father. It points to an unrelenting, unbroken fellowship and a total dependence on the Father. Unrelenting, unbroken fellowship is what we need to have with Jesus. Only with that and a heart that is soft and quick to repent can we begin to bear fruit. I want to close with this. We don't have it in us. The ability, I don't think, is innate in us to act significantly for God. It's not there. We need Him. We need the Holy Spirit to act significantly. And it's only as the Holy Spirit works through us and takes the gift that He's placed inside of us for other people, and that begins to work, that He does something significant. It's not from ourselves. It's from Him. He's significant. We're not. And we shouldn't think if we do something for Him that He's got to now be eternally grateful to us. God is looking for us to act on His behalf. When we do that, somehow, we think we should get a naughty badge. 
Jesus didn't do that. Jesus acted significantly because of his connection and his total dependence on the Father. So let us today, as his body and as his church, allow him, because of our unrelenting, complete dependence on him, to do through us something significant for his kingdom and for his people. Amen. Uh, so friends, you know, when, I, when we hear a word like this, I think there's a response that is required from us in which you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, yeah, some of what he's saying is making sense and some of the things he's saying the Holy Spirit might be convicting you of. And I think we just need to be in a place where we say, Lord, maybe I've been slow in repenting, number one. Number two, maybe... My heart's condition is not yet like yours. Where your dependence upon the Father was absolute. It was total. I'm still trying to do things in my own strength and in my own ability and in my own understanding. But I want to stop that today. I want to begin to do things in absolute dependence on you and allow you to work through me. Because then and only then will the kingdom of God advance. And can he use us to advance his kingdom? So if that's you today, we say, that makes sense. Stand with me. And let us come before the Lord in repentance. Say, Father, I want to repent. Quickly and easily all the time. And walk in absolute dependence upon you. Allowing you, Father. Allowing you, Lord, what you want to do in and through us, Father. To come to pass for your kingdom. For your kingdom's sake, Jesus. And that that flows from a grateful heart, Lord. That you've done so much for us. So much. Let our gratefulness overflow, Father. Because of everything that you do for us, Lord. So help me to be so quick, Father. And so soft-hearted before you, Lord. And I will look for fruit in my life, Father. A fruit of repentance. A fruit that I am following Jesus. And that everybody that I come into contact with will know this man or this woman belongs to Jesus because of the fruit that is visible in our life. And that we are walking as He walks. I think there's, God is probably speaking to a number of uh, issues at this stage. And I think one of the things that others have raised, net rakende, die, as I think, where the Lord with us speaks, is that you have to repent, that you begin to have in that unrepentance to yourself to give. To give the gave that the Lord has made, or the gaves that the Lord has given. I will not proclaim the word on that aspects it, is it baie keer is die, an, uh, die offense 
laat jou terugstaan en jy kan jezelf nie meer gee nie. En dit beteken jy mis uit op die teenwoordigheid van die Heere wat vloei dier jou en die rest van die gemeente mis uit op uh, die gave wat die Heere vir weekal op die oomlik wil gee. En bring dit voor die Heere. As die afgezien van die, die seer of afgezien van die mis, misverstande of die, wat ook al jy ervaar, dat jy jouself weer sal probeer gee. In geloof. In geloof. Soos probeer net die Heere volg jy so, Elana het een droom gehad, Elana kan jy ook daar net deel, um, so ons net so kan blij staan en Usually I dream quite a lot of nonsense, but every now and then I feel that God really speaks to me through a dream. And last night, I believe, was one of those evenings. And I told Rulof about the dream this morning. In my dream, it was a, a Christian lady who decided to have an affair. And she's planned this whole thing out. She's decided where she's going to meet the guy. And she went to her husband and she said to him, I'm going out for the evening. I'll be back a little bit later. And he said to her, okay, right, see you later. And as she left the house, the Spirit of God was speaking to her once again and saying, no, no, don't do it. I love you, don't do it. And she got to the place where she met the guy, and in the moment she decided, no, she, she cannot go through with it. And then there was another opportunity where she was tempted to, to cheat on her husband, and I can't remember from the dream whether she gave into temptation or whether she resisted it. But it was clear to me this morning that God was saying that He loves us. And maybe this word is for a specific person this morning where he, God wants you to see that He doesn't want to call you out to embarrass you. He doesn't want to bring the word to you because he, he wants to expose you. It's because of His love that He speaks to us. It's because He loves us that He warns us. It's because of His love that He sometimes sends people to us. And He's called to us this morning and maybe to you as an individual whether you are in that situation where um, it is maybe a temptation with, uh, with uh, cheating. It might be something else. But it is something that you're aware of and the Spirit of God has already spoken to you. And maybe this is, this is another way of God showing His love towards you. Um, his, his call is repent, repent. I love you. And once you repent, you will experience freedom. Ons gaan uh, geleentheid geef een uh, beetje bediening en, en uh, so as, as die woord tot jou hart spreek, wil ek jou uitnodig om, uh, ach, kom staan net by Elana, laat sy saam met jou bid. Ek denk ons uh, wou specifiek ook, um, John, ons wil graag vir jou wil bid, net verkracht, John uh, is bezig met een groot battle, uh, nou aan met uh, chemo en uh, paar soke dinge wat... Um, en sy gezondheid, so ons wil, ons wil werkelijk vir hulle bid, so Barry wil jy nie dalk net hasel, handel op le, Frans wil dalk saam, Sean, ons vertrouw die heren net vir versterking, vir gezondheid, vir deurbraak, kas ek weet nie of jy dalk wil wegspring met die gebed, en dan ons vir daarop gaan. So vir die ene sal ek nou moet ophou speel, want nou wil ek concentreer. Lord Jesus, we thank you Lord, that there's healing available for um John right now. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that there was a price that was paid for his mortal body. 
And Lord, we want to apply the blood, the fullness of it, every bit of it, um, to, to, to this cancer and to this thing that wants to destroy his life. Lord, we want to say as a congregation, we gather around them and we absolutely refuse any destruction in his life which you do not allow, Lord, and I am not aware that you are allowing anything. And I pray, Lord, that right now there will be a driving back. Lord, we pray that right now there will be a refuting, there will be a rebuking, and that there will be a pushing back. Lord, I pray for that body to be restored completely in the name of Jesus by the power that is invested in the blood. Lord, we thank you that on that day 2,000 years ago, blood was given and stripes were taken that this body might be well. And Lord, we do not know all the things in the spiritual realm. We do not know the secrets and the mysteries, but this we know, God, that by your strife we were healed. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that there will be a manifestation in that body of an eternal blood that has never lost its power. And Lord, so we apply it to every broken um, um, vessel, to every brokenness in that body. And we pray that he will be completely healed in the name of Jesus. And we speak to this body and say, be healed in Jesus' name. We trust you, Lord Jesus. We trust you, Lord Jesus, that by your Spirit, you would minister perfect healing to that body. That by your Spirit, Lord, your Word says that if the Spirit of Him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells within us, and we know you dwell in um, John. Lord, so we pray right now that by your Spirit, you will minister health to that body, to every part of it everywhere right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are a now God and that you are a yes God. And we pray that the great I am who is in this moment will minister right now to this body. I pray that you would strengthen him, spirit, soul, and body. And that you would push back and take back and, de and, 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 and restore that which the locusts have eaten. We trust it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, jylle, ek wil net, net so het nie om enigszins Ilanus woord um, te verdoes nie, want per ty keer voel ek ook, oké, okay, is hier die, is hier die fysies, is het geestelik, en so uh, as die fysische deel, is dit, is dit slat, go for it, so as die heren daai uitleg, daar is een werkelijke situasie van daai, maar ek wil ook toch net uitleg dat geestelik teken nie jy moet een vrou wees, die woord om te plan, het gaan oor die hart, en dat daar versoeking is, om intimiteit te verbreek, om die verhouding met God te verbreek, en jy denk jy kan wegkom met dit, jy, die man weet nie van hierdie situasie nie, in die prentjie, en jy kan aangaan, jy kan beplan en so, maar hier is bezig om sy vinger op hierdie situasie te druk, en is bezig om intimiteit met hom te verbreek, as jy nodig het om dit voor hom te breng, doen so. Amen. Jylle, jylle moet op wonderlijke dag he. Bless jylle. Dankie, André. Amen.